Hello, Graham Norton here on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose for another podcast. Let's get cracking. George Mackay stars in a brand new neo-noir revenge thriller, don't you know, called Femme. Show chef Martha's making us a pomegranate olive oil and yogurt loaf cake. Sounds suspiciously healthy. Uh, the festive season is almost upon us, and to get you ready, we'll be playing Winner, Winner, Christmas Dinner. And, of course, we couldn't be without her. Maria McCurlin is here to solve two more of your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. Hurrah! Hooray! Here How I am. are you? How are you? I'm all right, thank you. I won't be singing soprano today, just to let you know that, because my voice is still a bit droppy. Um, it's cold. Suddenly winter has appeared, Graham, and I wasn't expecting it, despite being December. I know. No, I did make me laugh yesterday, or so many texts, but say <laughs> just telling me it's cold. It's like I know. I live yeah, here. Yeah, no, too. I did hear you. I heard you say that. I heard you. <laughs> a slight bit of annoyance in your voice. Can we just all agree that it's sunny, but it's very cold? <laughs> yes, we're done. We're done with it. We've um, all observed I the weather. I watched your televisual show yesterday, Graham. I know I'm a little bit late. Stop it, Dolly. Um, uh, and um, I just want to say, when do we stop calling Take That a boy band? Because I looked at them and they're all in their 50s now. I mean, I know we can't call them a man band, but do we just call them a band? A lad band. A lad band. A lad, when you see, that doesn't to- sound... Well, that doesn't to, sound right either, does it? Somehow? To me, to me, they will always be boys. When I see, yes. when I see Mark Owen, I don't see an elderly gentleman with long hair. <laughs> I see a little. Waif. I don't think he does either when he looks in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. They're such sweet guys. Um, no, they're yeah. fabulous and well done, longevity and all that. But also one last thing. I know this is a bit mean, but Howard, I love Howard. Yes. Hair hair thing going on with Howard, I kept thinking when he was talking, if I lift that front bit of your hair up, I think it's <laughs> going to go right back. Um, like, I mean, I just want to know, that's all. I don't A mind him doing that. very lengthy fringe. I'm, I'm not sure. It looks very thick and luxurious to me. For a, if, if, yeah, that is, but... if that's a, a brush forward fringe, it's a very lovely one. If I it's did very that, good one. if I would that, it would just, it would just look like kind of net curtain. So, yeah. <laughs> I want you to do that. I might mat. actually buy you a hairpiece. Or I think they're not called hairpiece. They're not called hairpieces anymore. They're called hair persuasions or something like that. Hair systems. That's it. What, that's oh yes, hair systems. Maybe we used I'll to call debut. Them maybe I'll debut a new hair system when I interview oh, you. At that Fortune. would give me so much joy, and I'm trying not to laugh at that because I'll just start coughing. <laughs> to um, see to see if anyone notices. Everyone, like, he looks so much better in person, doesn't he? He really he looks so much better off the. Telly. What a lovely head of hair. Oh, yeah, oh, the lights, the lights really thin it out, don't they? Oh, look at that. Yeah. Uh, did you watch Strictly last night? Of course I did. I mean, Graham, it's very hard now because I think we're down to six, aren't we? They're all um, so good. And they're also good to... So sort of now it's like a popularity com- contest because they're all very good dancers. And now it's about who the public decide to get behind. So I think really, you know, there's three in my book that could be in danger. Annabelle, who I love, Angela and maybe Nigel. Well, yeah, I mean, Angela, I, she's bottom of the leaderboard. I mean, it, and it, that makes it sound like she was bad, but she was great. I mean, you know, she got a nine from uh, Anton. So, you know, she, she did really well. It's just, as she you was say, good, but they're, others they're were splitting better. hairs now. They are splitting hairs. Yeah, yeah, they are. And so, actually, nobody deserves to go. But the nature of the competition is that every week somebody has to be chucked out. Yes, so, and thank, um, thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, Otherwise we'll be there watching forever. Three-hour shows constantly. 
Yeah, but um, you know, I think sometimes being at the bottom of the leaderboard is almost a good thing because it reminds people to vote for you. Whereas if you do yeah. well, no one votes for you, and you could end up down at the bottom. In, do you think half night. of Ireland is voting for Angela Scanlon? I really hope so. Oh yes, they'll be on the all long distance. They'll be doing the plus four four and uh, getting. Are you allowed to vote for Ireland? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the other recommendation I have. Oh, I don't yes. know why I've gone northern. for the nation. It, for the nation. Recommendation for the nation is. Um, I know you've had Daisy Haggard, who I love. I'm a massive fan. Had a lovely chat with her when she was on the show the other week, and um, boat story. I mean, it's weird and it's out there. But it's very compelling, and she is something about her that is so watchable. Yeah, there really is because she's she's so kind of attractive as a, as something on screen. You just want to watch her. Yeah, absolutely yeah. lovely. And, and it's a great premise for something because you know what would you do? You kind of find something that's worth millions and millions and millions, but you know how do you shift it? So it, yeah, it's, I guess it's, you just yeah. step away from the bad thing because you know that a whole heap of rubbish is going to come your way. Um, yes. It's if like you, a, it's you, a cautionary tale, isn't it? That's what it, it's a cautionary tale. And yeah. just a, a sort of warning: it, it is quite violent for people who think it's going to be a lovely story. It's I a was little shocked violent, at how but violent in a, it was in a comic way. Well, I didn't. I wasn't. I was going, <laughs> not ha ha. <laughs> yeah, I I'm not good with things like that. I, and also, they pick such gruesome things to do. It's not like violent as in, the you know, beating people up, the sort of thing you're used to watching. It's properly kind of gross, cruel. So it's almost things. comedy because it's extreme. You mean? Okay, let's go with that. Virgin Radio. Ha-ha. Okay. Here is problem one. Dear Graham and Maria, Two weeks ago, I moved into a flat with my friends as one of their housemates moved back to live with their parents. I am really happy to be living with them, but there's a big problem in my room. Uh-oh. There's a really bad damp issue across the ceiling and one of the walls and black mould in every corner. I've done my best to sort it, but it was there since I moved in and have contacted the girl that lived there before to ask how long it's been there. She denied any knowledge of it, which is impossible, as there was only one day break in between her moving out and me moving in. The landlord is charging me to get someone to clean it, and I just can't afford it or make the previous tenant see sense to help me out. Since we've exchanged my name on the contract, I feel very stuck and I don't know what to do. My housemates are sympathetic, but don't really know what to say. Please help. And that is from Emily... In London. Well, Emily in London, living by the sea, I know a lot about damp. So I would say to you, I mean, we'll get to the landlord in a second, but really you have to find out the root cause. Is it damp coming in from a leak around the windows? Is it damp from above in the roof? Which room are you in? That makes a difference too. Are you in a basement? Um, You need to find the root cause of this damp. Um, Is it just condensation? Um, is it because that you dry your clothes in your bedroom or maybe your previous tenant dried her clothes in the bedroom, which does cause, um, you know, condensation to build up around the windows? You have to keep your windows open. That's one of the things. It seems counterintuitive when it's so cold, but windows open at least once a day for a little while. Clean off the bleach with white vinegar and bleach. I think it's madness for the landlord to 
make you pay for someone to do this. This is his property, after all. He needs to investigate where the damp is coming from. You're just putting a plaster over something that will come back. So bleach and white vinegar will do that. You can do that yourself. If he's going to invest, a humidifier would be a good thing to invest in um, to help that damp. But really, you've got to find out the root cause. And it's his responsibility don't let him charge you to pay for someone to clean it. You can clean it yourself. Ask him for her dehumidifier. I can't say it. Dehumidifier. Um, damp is annoying and problematic, but it is always fixable in some way. Don't don't panic, Graham. Well, Emily, look. It sounds like you you are young, and you're you've got into this situation, and people are taking you for a fool and you need to stand up and go, I am woman, hear me roar because you're paying <laughs> rent and it, no one's doing you a favour here. No one's saying, you know, oh, aren't you lucky to be paying me money? No, they're very lucky to be having your money. So you need to kick off. This room is not suitable for you to live in. You know, it's it's black mould. Interestingly, we had a, a listener and her son was in a similar situation and their landlord was good as gold. They complained and da 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 Now, whether mom got involved with the landlord or not to make them realise, actually, you're not going to uh, take advantage of this person, I don't know. But Emily, if I mean, you need help, get help. Get, get you know, if you, if you don't feel confident enough to to call out the landlord, you know, get someone else and get one of your parents or something because you shouldn't be paying for something that's substandard. No. You know, it's difficult yes, for uh, Emily. It is difficult though, Graham, because she's just moved in two weeks ago and I guess she feels, you know, she's got a nice flat now with some nice flatmates. She doesn't want to rock the boat. But... For the landlord to say, I will charge you to get someone You're to crazy. clean this is wrong. And I know there's going to be lots of people, Virgin Radio listeners, who know about this stuff and will say, no, 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 no. But really, he must find, he must investigate the root cause of the damp. What is causing it? If it is only just condensation, let's hope, um, that can be fixed. But a dehumidifier will help yeah. dry that out. Because I think I if, mean, if, they, if, yeah, if they've changed, you know, because if her name is now on the the lease, uh, then read your lease because there'll be something on there for this, you know, that you've, it's, it, you're supposed to keep your room tidy and da, 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 but you're not supposed to be kind of <laughs> fixing damp in the ceiling. I mean, I think a cursory Google at Citizens Advice Bureau or something will give you some, uh, a sound basis. So you're confident when you approach the landlord and say, right, I, you know, these are my rights and da, 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 and and see what happens. And I think, you know, your flatmates, yes, Maria's right. They won't want you to rock the boat. But at the same time, they're not going to be able to rent out a room that is covered in black mould. Mind you, you did, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's funny that, Maria... that Emily didn't notice it first off, but anyway... Um... <laughs> Let's hope it can be fixed, Emily. Yes. Let us when know. Viewing, I want to know. Yes. When viewing apartments in the future, look up. Dare responses, part one. And my favourite responses today will be getting... Oh, it's such a lovely thing. It's called a Waitrose Christmas Winter Village Chocolate Box. And this is a really good idea. It's kind of a 3D thing. You put it on the Christmas table. You open it up. And then there are all these little drawers inside. You open them up. There's little chocolates inside. It's a lovely kind of thing to put up at the end of a dinner. And the great thing is, uh, once you've eaten all the chocolates, you can keep it. And then next year, you can either put more chocolates in or you can put little treats and surprises in. And, you know, it could become a family tradition. Yeah, where's the Waitrose Christmas Winter Village Chocolate Box? 
They'll cry. And you'll go, I've got it right here. Uh, right. Hey, Graham, we have a couple of flats we rent out and have had to deal with mould. This is wholly her landlord's problem. If the landlord doesn't start to address it, she should threaten and then actually withhold a small part of the rent until it's addressed. Unless, of course, she's running some hot Bikram yoga session in that room. And that's from Ian and Johnny. Well, she doesn't mention the Bikram yoga, so let's assume she's not. Uh, Mark in Portsmouth, he's got a radical solution. He's in here. I would suggest the caller contacts the environmental health department at the local authority in her area as the landlord has a statutory obligation to carry out repairs on a house of multiple occupancy. Mark sounds like he's knows what he's talking about, doesn't it? Uh, the environmental health department has legal powers to fine the landlord if they fail to carry out repairs. A little caveat here. The landlord may issue notice on the tenant for doing so, but it will prevent him from letting on suitable tenants in the future. Uh, this action will be free for the tenant without cost. All right, Mark. Jim from Netherly. Oh, good old Jim's been in touch. I've worked in the council housing department for over 40 years, and I'm very impressed with Maria's answer. Oh, glowing. Uh, sounds like condensation and the simple test. Now, this is good. So is it con condensation? The simple test is you stick something sharp into the plaster, like a small screwdriver. If the plaster comes out dry, then you know it hasn't been made wet by external water from rain or from the ground or from upstairs. But condensation is the hardest to treat. Uh, Maria, spot on, wipe it clean, keep doing that so it doesn't get a hold and keep the room well ventilated, especially if drying clothes. Thank you very much, Jim. Uh, Graham mentioned citizen advice. You can chat online to one of their advisors or go into a local branch in person and they will give you the best course of action. They may even confront your landlord on your behalf do not put up with this dodgy situation. You have rights as a tenant, and so says Lee in Dorking. Jim in Netherly, guess what? You are going to get a gorgeous Waitrose Christmas Winter Village chocolate box. There you go. Graham's Guide. <sighs> okay, here is, sorry, uh, here is um, problem two, Graham. Uh, dear Graham and Maria, I am a new mum of a gorgeous daughter. She's nine months old now and I'm still on maternity leave. As with all new mothers, I'm sure, I've been struggling with the mental toll of motherhood. My sleep is awful and I'm constantly emotional. I've been leaning a lot on my incredible supportive friends who have been there for me whether or not they have children, but I've still been finding it really difficult. The reason I write to you is because my husband has been ever so distant after the little one was born. I feel like we were inseparable for the first week of parenthood as we welcomed our girl into the world. But since going back to work, he seems to take very little interest in me or the baby. I wake up for all the nightly feeds, look after her all day and try to fit in all the housework too. That I don't mind so much, but I feel so disconnected from him and we spend no time together, whether alone or with the baby. I know he's busy and tired from being the only one at work, but I'm busy and tired too with the baby. I'm worried about what will happen when my maternity leave is over. But most of all, I don't want the strain of being parents to push us apart. And I feel like it's happening already. What do I do? And that is from Georgia in Newbury. Oh, Georgia in Newbury, I do feel sad for you because this should be such a lovely time with a new baby and lots of seeing the baby changing and starting to smile and all of those things that a small baby does. But it's been a massive change 
in your lives, which it strikes me, Georgia, that neither of you were quite ready for. I mean, you know, your hormones will still be all over the place because that happens for quite a long time after you have a baby and you're exhausted. Thank goodness for your lovely friends who are all helping you, etc. Now, your husband, I guess what he's feeling is he's been pushed out. This happens an awful lot. He's been pushed out of the the group. You know, he's not needed in this. So he's sort of withdrawn because he's not doing the feeds, you're doing them. Well, you know, there is something to be said for him still taking charge of that because it helps with the bonding with that baby. And at the moment, he's not doing any of that. So he has just disconnected himself. Now, you've written to us, Georgia and Nubrian, that's lovely. But what you really need to do is get your lovely supportive friends to come and look after um, your, you know, she's nine months old now. And you and your husband, you go out and instead of telling us all of this, you tell him and he tells you how he feels. He feels a bit rejected. He feels he's not needed. He feels you know superfluous to need. So he's just taking himself away and you miss him. Tell him you miss him and you miss the fun you had and you want that back. Because you're right, if you leave this situation to go on, it will just get worse. You've got to sort of let him, leave him alone with the baby for a weekend or not a weekend, but, you know, for a day while you go out <laughs> shopping on a Saturday when he's not working so he can do some bonding because it's a sort of two way street. He's disconnected because he feels useless and not necessary. Graham, what do you think? I mean, neither of us have children. I don't I really know, know we're qualified. It does sound like everyone's, everyone in this household is just in shock that there's yeah. now a nine-month-old girl in it. And I feel like, I know it's simplistic to say men aren't bright, but they're not that bright. And I think he <laughs> is just going, wait a minute, Georgia, the woman I loved, she seems to have vanished. And there's this emotional, exhausted a uh, woman <laughs> holding a crying baby and I don't want to go near them. And it, I know you don't want to end up with two babies, Georgia, and it sounds ridiculous, but in a way you do need to reassure him that it's still you and you're there, you're just going through something. And I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think men find kids more interesting and easier to cope with the older they get. So hang on in there. Once this little girl is walking and doing things, I think he will become more engaged because there's more that he can do. Right now... That's easy to say, Graham. Yeah. But they've got a baby between them, so too bad that you don't find this child interesting at the moment. (laughs) But I do... You know what I mean? You've got to kind of connect with this baby. And I feel that he hasn't done that. For the first week, it was all excitement. And then it was, oh, I don't really know what to do now he's got to find out how to look after a baby you've got to let go a little bit Georgia as well Um, nice to have supportive friends but he's the baby's dad he's got to learn how to change a nappy how to do a feed how to look after her how to know when she's tired hungry emotional it does feel like like neither did either of them like you know, flick through a, a book before this happened or anything, because it does seem to have taken them absolutely by storm uh, that, that, that that this has happened. I mean, I suppose the thing is, uh, you know, as you say, we haven't done it, and maybe nothing can prepare you for it. You can read all the books in the world, you can visit all your friends with babies, but until there is one.
son in your house crying, yeah. then actually you don't know how you're going to react. You're going to know how it's going to make you feel. And also, I guess, you know, because yes, you're getting up to do the feeds, but he'll be waking up every time that happens. So Probably. he must be the walking dead as well because he's having yeah. to go to work and doing that. So the but I two think a of, lot you, of you, yeah, they just Sorry, need to talk just... to each other. Yeah, I think I was going to say a lot of new mums, first baby, often think, oh, no, I'm the only one who knows how to do this right. Um, you're doing that wrong. You're feeding her wrong. You're, she'll get wind like that. And so what the dads do is they just withdraw because, as we know, men don't like to be criticised. And if they can't do it right the first time, then they'll go, well, I'm not going to do it then. Don't do the nappy like that. Do it like this. You have to let him be your daughter's dad. You have to let him make the mistakes that you probably made that are necessary to make. He has to bond with this baby. That's part of it. You have to tell him how you feel, but he must bond with his daughter. Sorry, I'll stop wanging on now because I'm wheezing. Yeah, we wheezy. Dad responses, part two. And again, my favourite responder will be getting a Waitrose Christmas Winter Village chocolate box, a thing of beauty to behold. It's got a 3D and the chocolate's inside. You can use it again. Lovely. Uh, Kate's in Pembrokeshire. Your husband is struggling with the change in your relationship. Every week, you need to have a date night. Get dressed up, put the baby to bed, put some music on, have a nice candlelit meal and talk about everything other than the baby. We do this every single week and it's been the one time we connect and remember the couple we used to be. Our eldest turns 20 next year. He will begin to engage more when your daughter can interact with him more. More like 20. <laughs> um, uh, Rosie, it is a life-changing event. It is hard work, but as you said, you are clever people. Georgia needs to call upon her friends so they could go out and talk. Or just as you said, uh, Georgia's husband looks after the baby on his own for a couple of hours. Communication is the key. Good luck. I really do think, yeah, they just need to talk about it. Uh, John is in North Wales. I'm a father of twins, and when they were born 16 years ago, it was very much all hands on deck. My advice for this lady is to try and throw the husband in at the deep end for for him to really have a go. Maybe leave him with the baby, make sure that everything is laid out for him, and when she comes back, talk to him about the time he spent with the baby. Try not to criticise, but to empathise and relate that you both found the same challenges when doing some of the tasks, like changing nappies, etc. Bringing up children is very much a joint task today, and she has to try and find ways in order to do things together. Another nice thing to do, this is a good idea, is to go for walks together with the new baby. Walk Walking very much helps put the baby to sleep. All the best. Cheers. And that's from John in North Wales. And Gina and Ken says, the lady with the baby, he needs to step up. I'm sure a new baby has been a shock to her too, but she is putting in all the hard work. He is walking away. Yes, babies become more interesting as they get older, but he is a father to a baby that needs him now and a husband to a wife who is exhausted doing everything. He needs to do better. It is not on her to fix it. She is already doing her bit and more. Uh, thank you very much, Gina. Um, I think I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give the uh, chocolates, the Waitrose Christmas Winter Village chocolate box to Kate in Pembrokeshire. Still to come, George Mackay stars in the movie Femme. But first, it's lunchtime. You know, what you've made today, it doesn't sound that Christmassy, but I cannot tell people. It looks like Christmas. It really does. <laughs> uh, what, what have you made? So this is a pomegranate olive oil and yoghurt loaf cake. And I know what you mean. They look like they're kind of like little glittery Christmas gems, those little pomegranate granite seeds on the top there. Oh no, it's absolutely beautiful. So this is Georgina Hayden. 
It is indeed, yes. She has written a lovely feature, um, which was in last month's... Um, actually, this month's. We're in November still, aren't we? My head is in December. <laughs> um, yeah. In this month's Waitrose Food magazine. And yeah, she's got a couple of beautiful pomegranate recipes in there. Um, but this one, I think, is just a really lovely one because it's nice and simple, lovely and sweet, and just makes the most of those beautiful pomegranates which are in season. I mean, what's the difference? Why are we cooking with olive oil? So olive oil is really good in a cake. Firstly, if you're a little bit lazy, like I feel sometimes, especially at this time of year, because you don't need to do any of that proper whisking and creaming and adding things in stages. It's just a nice, easy cake batter where you whisk it all in. And also olive oil has a little kind of peppery flavour, which really balances out cake. So you can use just regular vegetable oil for something like this. But olive oil, you probably haven't noticed it unless you've tasted it just on its own. But it's got this slightly grassy, peppery flavour to it. And it just really complements all those sweet things that are going on in there okay but uh, yes and but you shouldn't you should do it exactly like this you shouldn't try and kind of mess around and you know make it the way you normally make a loaf cake or anything yeah i feel like i feel like georgina would say stick to the recipe but (laughs) i can promise you it's not a hard one so that won't be too difficult (laughs) okay and it's olive oil yogurt and then the pomegranates and so is that what's the the icing on the top So the icing is a little bit of pomegranate juice with some lemon juice and then icing sugar, but it creates this really lovely pink colouring. I mean, people will think that you've you've messed around with this and put in some food colouring but pomegranates have such a beautiful natural pinkness to them that they add a lovely That's all that is. That's amazing. Yeah, it's just pomegranate. Take it away. So we're starting with our cake batter. You want the oven preheated about 180 degrees and you want to grease a nice loaf tin with a little bit of that olive oil and sprinkle in a bit of caster sugar as well and this will help it stop from sticking to the inside of your tin. I know, very clever. Also, Um, that sounds like it should make it stickier. But anyway, I I trust you. I know. I mean, to be fair, Graham, I did think that when I was making it, but it didn't (laughs) stick, so we're all okay. Okay, it works. (laughs) Um, Then you want to take a large mixing bowl and in that we're sticking the flour, the caster sugar, baking powder and salt. That's all your dry ingredients in one bowl. And then you want to take a jug. I love recipes like this where you just two bowls and then they all come together. So you want a large jug and then we're whisking together the olive oil, the eggs, that plain yogurt which adds a lovely tanginess, half the juice of half a lemon and a little bit of vanilla. Give that a whisk to make it nice and smooth. Then you want to combine the two, whisk it until it's all well combined together. And then we've got pomegranate seeds going into the cake itself. So you get that flavour all the way through. So you want to add about three quarter of your seeds that you've extracted from a pomegranate or you can buy in Waitrose the little pre-prepared uh, yeah. pack of pomegranate seeds, <laughs> yeah. which I feel like a lot of people opt for. The, the latter. <laughs> it is a lot easier, unless you need to do loads and loads and then you might as well get your kitchen ready for a a pomegranate massacre because that juice gets everywhere when you're trying to get them out Um, but then you want to put that into your loaf tin and then bake it for 50 to 55 minutes it takes quite a long time to get that lovely steady bake but you can stick a skewer in at about 50 minutes and it should come out nice and clean we're going to leave it to cool for about 20 minutes then we're going to make that icing so you want to take the rest of the pomegranate seeds you've got about should have about a quarter left give them a little mash with a fork to extract some of that juice then you want to squeeze that push that through a sieve or squeeze it through a piece of muslin to get out that um color and that juice mix it with the remaining lemon juice and a bit of your icing sugar and then you can drizzle it all over the top stick a few pomegranate seeds on and it just yeah it looks so Christmassy. you could put a few green things on there trying to think out what would work maybe mint leaves to make it look extra like little hollies or something like that and also i feel like this you could store this there's nothing really in this that's got to go off Absolutely. And the best thing about olive oil based cakes is that they do last a really long time. So this will keep really nice in a tin or it would make a lovely gift, actually, if you wanted to bless the neighbours or 
take it round to some friends. It would um, keep for at least a week in a tin. All right. Well, uh, if you like the full recipe, you can go to waitrose.com slash showchef to see it there or indeed all of Martha's recipes and you can check out how it looks on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Have a lovely week, Martha. Take care now. Thanks, Graham. See you next week. Bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Hey, guest alert. We're talking to a guest. Yes, we are. I was going to introduce him as a rising star, but he's risen. He has risen, Lynn ladies and gentlemen. Uh, his name is George Mackay and he stars in a really terrific new British film called Femme. Hello, George. Hi, Graham. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. And I thought, because uh, I'm, I'm an idiot, because you're on my chat show, so I must have said these words loud, but I thought Femme was already out, but it doesn't come out till this Friday. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes out on the 1st. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's perfect. a good Friday so if people haven't seen it, they haven't missed it yet. It's not out yet. Uh, Femme is terrific. Uh, you must be you must be very good at describing the plot and who you play by now. So off you go. So Femme is the story of Jules, who, um, who is played by Nathan Stewart Jarrett. And Jules is a, is a drag performer. And at the beginning of the film, you see Jules at the height of his powers performing at the, the club where he works. And soon after that, there's an altercation in a shop uh, between uh, Jules in his drag and uh, this character, Preston, who I play. And there's, it follows this awful homophobic attack. And then the film jumps three months later where Jules is still piecing himself back together. And he goes out for the first time somewhere he feels safe and he goes to a, a gay sauna where he runs into Preston and his attacker and kind of you realise, you know, where that hate has come from. And uh, and so he decides to uh, begin a relationship with um, with Preston, who doesn't recognise him out of his drag, so to enact his revenge. And I think one of the things that makes it such a, a kind of interesting watch is that normally a film like this, it would be about one of them. It would be about Jules mm. or it would be about Preston. But the stakes are so high for both of you. Yeah, yeah. It's it, The whole thing's a constant chess match. And it's a kind of, you know, it, it's a film about drag as well and about the way that you can kind of take a certain part of your identity to, to kind of obscure another part of your identity and the sort of the power that can be found by leaning on certain aspects of of who you are and kind of creating a character for yourself to live inside of so to speak and so you've kind of got those two two sides going against each other in, in Preston and Jules because we, we like to think of it as a sort of drag queen and a drag king kind of doing battle but yeah. also not fully knowing when they're doing battle and who they're doing battle with so to speak. And it is that kind of that kind of hidden danger, you know, because lots of us live lovely lives. Um, but actually, you know, uh, London after dark, you know, there is a kind of edge of danger to it all. Were you filming kind of in in the real places on real locations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We film most of it around East London, and uh, and definitely that it's kind of a lot of the film takes place at night, and that kind of edge and grit is a is a huge sort of character within the film itself, and and it speaks to the the films that inspired Sam and Ping, the the writers and directors. They've been big fans of the kind of noir thriller genre, and so this kind of uh, yeah, a physical threat is definitely present, but then simultaneously the sort of stakes are raised even higher because then the idea of there's there's the sort of almost kind of mortal violence and the mortal death, and then you've got the kind of character identity violence and character death of like well if this idea of who I am is taken away from me then that's almost worse than than if I was to sort of you know mortally lose my life yeah because actually in the end Preston's kind of more of a tragic figure than than Jules 
Yeah, I mean, totally. It's the power dynamic is shifting all of the time. But yeah, I mean, Preston, the sort of the power that he wields at the beginning is born out of a terrible self-hate, basically, and a, and a, a hate and a kind of insecurity in who he is and a not ability and as a, an inability to be able to accept who he is. And it's sort of kind of turned into this toxic kind of hyper macho kind of element quite stereotypical kind of character that he's created himself and yet within that there's all this nuance of someone who sort of to an extent is that to an extent has become the creation that he's made for himself and is also totally not that and through this relationship with Jules which he doesn't always understand what this relationship is other aspects of him are being sort of teased out and embraced so it's um yeah and there's a there's a tragedy to that as well because Jules as well is also morally dubious in the sense of it's um so, so I guess the sort of positive changes that that Preston goes on, like it, you know, in understanding himself, yeah. they're not the circumstances within which he does that is not, you know, not the most savoury. And this movie had an interesting kind of genesis because what was it? It was a short film first. Yeah, it was, a, it was so. So Sam and Ping had the idea that they took to agile films to create uh, a, a like a neo noir thriller with with queer characters at the centre. And they they loved that idea, but Sam is a screenwriter and Ping is a theatre director, and they said, "Well, you've never made a film before, so we can't finance an entire film, but we'll give you the money to make a short," um, which they did, which starred Papa Sedu and Harris Dickinson in kind of equivalent characters to that which yeah. Nathan and I play, and it was a kind of proof of concept in a way, and it it did amazingly. It got nominated for a BAFTA and it won a Biffa Award, and off the success of that, they then were kind of greenlit to make the feature film, which expands upon that world and is is an entirely different story really and the characters themselves although they share elements of you know of the context and elements of the characters are very different too so um yeah this is a kind of expansion on on that short so did you watch the short or did you go no no i mustn't oh no no i definitely watched it because i you know I, I wanted to see what you know the types of film that sam and, and Ping had made and what what it would be like, what their kind of vision was, and the the energy of the short is amazing, and the and the aesthetic of it as well. It's I mean it's really sort of vibrant and kind of pulsating, and that the use of colours and the camera work and the sound. There's a real sort of amazing kind of energy, and I guess it's their it's their sort of trademark, their style of filmmaking, yeah. and that was a real sort of insight into like okay, this is this is the way the story that we've got is going to be told, and that was a big part of wanting to be a part of the feature. And tell me this. George, you know, you've been in the business for a long time uh, and, you know, jobs is jobs, you do them. But you're already getting that kind of reputation for being in interesting things, being in quality things. When is that just the luck of the draw or when did you kind of uh, find the luxury of kind of being a bit choosy and picky about your your parts? I guess, um, well, that's, I mean, it's very kind of you. I, I guess you, you you always have the power to say no to something. I mean, you don't, you don't always have the power to say yes. I mean, sometimes, you know, there's parts I've gone for that I really wanted and it, you know, it doesn't quite work out, but I, I, I don't know. I, it's just, I, I guess it's a personal taste. There's a, there's a role that will speak to you. There's a, a way of working that you admire. There's something that you, you know, you want to be a part of and, and you know, and that moves and changes as, as time goes on. But I think if you kind of stick true to your gut, and kind of hold out for those projects, which, you know, which is a, a luxury in itself, being able to kind of wait for those things. But yeah, I guess it's just about, yeah, trying to trying to say yes to sort of only really what speaks to you if, you know, if you if you can afford to to hang on for it. Um, and then, you know, if it's true to you, hopefully that that kind of reverberates. And am I right in thinking the next thing we're going to see you in is at the end? 
Yeah, so I, there's actually another film coming out next year, a French film called The Beast, uh, called La Bette with, with Leia Sadu that I, I believe is coming out in sort of April, May next year. Will wow. be the next thing that, that, do that you, comes do out. You speak a, do you speak it a lingo? I, I I do yeah for the for the film um yeah it's it's a beautiful film it's it's between two um story of two lovers who are kind of on a loop with each other through different periods in time um so we kind of play variations of the same character who were sort of changed by their context in 1910 2014 and 2044 and it, it is a french film so yeah there's there's a fair bit of french in there which I had to learn for the for the project and are you a foreign person or are you go did you do a deep dive and go right i am going to be i'm playing a french person it's a bit of both so it's i mean i actually came to the project in in rather sort of tragic circumstances given that it was written for a um, a french actor who passed away called gaspar oliel and when and after he passed away they they wanted to look at actors outside of france so there wasn't any sort of comparison and um and the director berton could have a kind of clear view of things but yeah. The character is still French, so I play an Englishman who speaks French in the first, in 1910. Then I play an American in 2014, and then I play a Frenchman in 2044. And in the future, accents will be different. So that, yeah, good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tried to sort of be like I kind of allowed myself to have an English accent with the French in 1910, and then I tried to sort of erase all Englishness within the French, like you know, in 2044. But I mean, the, the crew will, and you know, French speakers will have to tell if that happened or not. And tell me, I mean, did you learn it like a kind of a parrot or did you, you know, could you go into a shop and speak French now? It was, it was a sort of, I probably learned it like a parrot going into a shop. Like it was a, it was a, it was a, <laughs> a sort of it began kind of phonetically, but then to be, I wanted to be able to act in it. Um, so to, you know, yeah. do just to kind of to layer and to be able to do my job properly. And so I needed to have an understanding of the grammar and all aspects of it. So within the scenes, I could, I could, you know, I understood what I was saying and I could move and change given what, you know, Leia was giving me. Um, but, but, and given that I had a lot more vocabulary by the end of the shoot and was sort of immersed in the French crew for the whole time. Um, so, so I could speak a, a wee bit, but it's kind of without the practice, it's fallen away quite a bit. Wow. But chapeau off to you, sir, because I mean, that must have been terrifying. <laughs> mean that, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well <laughs> done. That uh, no, that must have been terrifying. Kind of, you know, because normally you can kind of, you can gauge, you know, because, you know, a, a language is so subtle, you can, you know, gauging everything. It must have been w weird doing that. Yeah, it was. It was quite sort of, yeah, it was nerve wracking, basically, because you sort of, I feel like a level of, you know, you've always got the, the first day nerves and, you know, I you know, care about what I do. So you're always kind of, there's a level of nerves, but at the same time, you you do feel a level of command over what you're doing. Like, right, I've, I practice this. I know that this is this is how I want to sort of offer it up at first before the directors, you know, go to move and change it. And <laughs> and I didn't have full command in terms of what I was given, if you know what I mean, because I yeah. couldn't check it to myself. It was very much like if this is if you say it's okay, I'm going to fully believe that it's okay. But it, it was difficult. Usually, I can kind of I've also got myself to check to check on as well. And when's that going to hit, uh, come blinking into the light? Uh, that will be, I think, April, May. They're still figuring exact distribution for okay. the UK. I would look forward to that. Uh, but you don't have to wait till then. Uh, on Friday, Femme hit cinemas. I really hope it finds an audience. It so deserves to find an audience, George. It's, it's really well, well, terrific. Thank film. you. Yeah, I think I think it's like, as well as it being sort of kind of tense and fraught, it's a really exciting film as well. It's yeah. a proper... You no, know, it's a big it's crowd a pleaser. I mean, I think, I think, 
even in talking about it, it sounds like it's kind of an art house film, and it's and there's elements of that, but it's not. It's just a big crowd pleasing, exciting thriller. It's great. Yeah, it's a it's a proper roller coaster, and I, you know, I don't know if this is this feels like a sort of cute, kind of cute sell on it, but I think as well, it's it's a fast film. Everything about it, like the pace never drops, and it's kind of it's quite quick as well. Yeah. you know, and, and you haven't seen it. You haven't seen it before. You haven't seen it before. That's what I really liked about it. You, it's just it's really fresh. It's great. Yeah, it's um, kind of like a romance rom-com mixed with a neo-noir kind of all <laughs> together. You've yeah. sold it. You've sold it, George. You've done a good job. Uh, listen, go enjoy the rest of your Sunday, sir. Take care. Lovely to talk to you. And you. Thanks for having me. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. That's Femme out on Friday. Whoa. Uh, jazzy Christmas music mean only one thing. Yes, we're playing winner, winner Christmas dinner. Someone's getting the chance to win a range of gorgeous Waitrose Christmas goodies or possibly two £150 voucher to spend at Waitrose. And I believe a Siobhan is on the line. Hello, Siobhan. Hello. Good morning, Graham. Hi, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. I'm so excited to be speaking to you. <laughs> oh, lovely. And where are you, Siobhan? Um, I'm South Wales, just outside Cardiff. Okay, lovely. And are you Christmas organised or are you Christmas chaos? Um, <laughs> I am not Christmas organised, so this might go some way to help me. <laughs> okay. <if I> win. <laughs> are you hosting Christmas or are you going somewhere? Uh, yeah, hosting Christmas. <laughs> uh, for lots of people. Um, we're going to have about seven or eight people. Oh, that's enough. Yeah, that's already yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit more relaxed because I'm not the chef usually. My husband is, so I am a bit of a backseat. You know, I, I'm a coordinator. Of course. <laughs> Project yes. manager. Yeah, you, you heat the plates, things like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah just Love. about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, listen, good luck. These are some really simple Christmas multiple choice questions. Hopefully you okay. get them right. For each one you get right, I'll discover what little uh, Christmas goodie we're giving you. And if you get all three right, then you get the £250 voucher. Okay? Fantastic. Thank you. The best of Christmas luck to you, Siobhan. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, question number one. Which 80s duo, which 80s duo had a Christmas hit with Last Christmas? Was it A, Wham, B, Tears for Fears, C, Pet Shop Boys? Um, it was A, Wham, one of my favourite Christmas songs. <laughs> I believe you are. Correct! Yes, you are. Okay, let's see what you got for that. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, this looks good. It's called Shimmering Salmon Moose. Uh, oh, that I sounds know. delicious. Doesn't it, though? It's tender Scottish smoked and poached salmon with a shimmering bronze luster finish. Oh, my it's, goodness. It's fish in the shape of a fish. I think you yeah, <laughs> love it. Uh, all right, here we go. Next one. Uh, you're doing well. You're doing well. Thank which you. of the following, which of the following is not one of Santa's reindeer? Okay, which of the following is not one of Santa's reindeer? A, Donna, B, Dave, C, Blitzen. Um, I think it might be B, Dave. Do you? Uh, let's just consult the judges. And you are... Correct! Yes, you are. Ooh, ooh. Uh, oh, wow. Lord of mercy. This sounds delicious. It's a spiced apple and maple turkey breast joint. 
Okay. Oh, wow. It's a spiced pork, apple and caramelized onion stuffing. That adds a kind of sweet savory twist to this turkey breast wrapped in bacon. And then they give you this maple and apple glaze you can drizzle over for even a more fruity flavor. I oh love... my goodness. My oh, husband, well, I'm I'm actually a vegetarian, but my husband <laughs> is not, and my husband's family are not, so that is going to go down very, very well. <laughs> I, I love how excited you are by these presents, and you're a vegetarian. Ooh, well, shimmering salmon I, mousse. I'd love not to I, eat that. No, no, no. I, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you do eat fish? I do eat fish. I do, yeah, oh, yeah. pescatarian. Yeah, you just, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, explain I the nice of that fish. <laughs> All he's right. going to be. <laughs> All right, here's your third one. Here's your third one. Traditionally, on which night are you supposed to take your Christmas decorations down? Okay, this is for the £250 voucher. Okay. Is it A, the 10th night, B, the 11th night, or C, the 12th night? It's B, the 12th night. Are you right? I hope. <laughs> You are... <laughs> Correct! Well done. £250 voucher for you to spend in Waitrose. Congratulations, oh Siobhan. It's Thank Christmas so come much. early. It's Christmas come early. Uh, really is, there anyone you, is there anyone you'd like to say hello to while you're on the, on the radio? Um, well, I'll say hello to my mum and my sister, um, Roz and Rhiannon, who are going to be joining for Christmas. So, yes. Yeah. We are now going to be having a lovely waitress-sponsored um, <laughs> dinner. So, yeah. I know. Your husband will go mad with that in uh, yeah, pushing his trolley around waitress. <laughs> Listen, have a great Christmas. Uh, stay safe and warm and have a lovely time. Thanks for playing, Siobhan. Take Thank care. You, Take care. Lovely to speak to you. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Until next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.